Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Welcome, everyone, to RB1 Colon and Fantasy Football Podcast, part of the Fake Team Podcast channel. I am your humble host, Pete Rogers, and I am joined by all of the guys. We have resident old man Clark Barnes, the working girl Jordan Smith, and the ginger woodsman Nick Bodiford. Guys, how are we doing today? Doing great, Pete. Doing good. Good, Pete. How are you? I am feeling terrific. It has been quite a day uh, for anyone who is a Patriots fan as Bill Belichick decided he saw Tom Brady get his ring and he was like, all right, fuck it. Now it's my turn and has been been spending money wildly in order to uh, to bring a championship to New England. And we will obviously be talking about that. We will be talking about all kinds of news to get to. It's been a wildly busy the the nfl season started today at noon and let me tell you people uh it started with a bang it is it is going uh we'll start with the biggest news that came out of of the off season on monday which had me giggling all kinds of days and i wish i had put like money on it because it just felt like it was going to happen and that is johnny smith going to new england and signing a, a pretty big deal it's like a four-year I don't have any of the numbers in front of me for these deals. So feel free to chime in if you do have these numbers off the top of your head, but it's, it's a, it's a heavy investment from new England into Johnny Smith, who is a, I just think that the, the pairing makes so much sense because of the fact that Johnny Smith is this versatile hyper-athletic guy who can play all over the formation. The Titans used him out of the backfield at times. Um, it's very exciting, very exciting to me. And I need you guys to help temper my expectations because currently I don't see why he's not a top four fantasy tight end this year. I was going to say, I already predict him as one of the players that just gets wildly overdrafted based on <laughs> his situation and like what the Patriots shelled out for him. I don't, I mean, other than like Gronk, I, I don't really think the Patriots have had too many like stellar uh, tight ends from a fantasy aspect. I think he kind of overshadows everything. So it makes people assume that, oh, tight end to New England, he's going to rock, which I don't necessarily know if that's the case. Yeah, I, I agree with you. The The argument against it is, you know, we have looked at the tight end to New England thing dozens of times, and it turns out maybe that it was just that Rob Gronkowski is really just when good. you have like the greatest tight end ever <laughs> that kind of and a quarterback who's like, I have no one else to throw the ball to who should I throw it to this giant offensive lineman who can catch really well and is fast. Uh, we've been excited by Irv Smith's flashes in Tennessee again, but the argument against it is that they let him go. Oh, Minnesota. I just want to say that. Yeah. You got your Kyle Rudolph. Okay. Haunts. <sighs> Clark Barnes's <laughs> dreams 
and all all tight end talk inevitably comes back. It's inevitably one man away. Yeah, I I think that I think the thing that that has me most excited is just the fact that Johnny Smith is. We saw him be versatile in Tennessee, and he is now entering an offense which we know needs like desperately needs a true number one pass catcher, regardless of whether or not that's a wide receiver or a tight end. And Cam Newton, who the Patriots re-signed, slipping that in there too, uh, has has a history of like boosting up the tight end position. Greg Olson was a top five fantasy tight end for a good part, you know, for like four solid years in a row with him and Cam Newton at their peaks. I think the addition of Jonu Smith along with Cam Newton is going to help rise the, raise the floor on both of those guys. And to me, I guess the question I'll pose it to you guys this way is like, all right, Kelsey Kittle and Waller to me, those are the top three untouchable guys in terms of fantasy tight ends. But between like Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson and Jonu Smith, like who would you rather have? And in my book, I just, I feel like this offense is going to be structured around what Jonu Smith can do. And the Patriots did get some other receivers and we'll talk about that shortly uh, in free agency. But I feel like Jonu Smith is going to be, I feel like the Jenga piece that makes this offense go, given how much they invested in him, given the fact that this team needed desperately someone to do that. And Johnny Smith can do so much for them and what Cam Newton has done with the tight end position. I guess I have a hard time not talking myself into trying to be as like non Patriots fanny as possible of Johnny Smith, not being a, a top four, top five fantasy tight end this year. Okay. So I first just want to pump up the podcast by saying we've been talking about Bill Belichick's 2019 compliments of Johnny Smith since he said it when he called him the best run after catch tight end in the NFL. So props to all of us for being on top of this. Um, From Warren Sharp earlier today, while Bill Belichick is spending the most he has ever spent on a pass catcher, average per year in Patriots history, Johnny Smith at 12 and a half million. Uh, it's 50 million over four years. That's the the most he's ever paid a pass catcher. The next closest was nine and a half, which was Wes Welker. Um, he's showing us what he wants to do with Johnny Smith. He uh, and the fact that he's been thinking about him as a run after catch guy to me indicates he plans on scheming the ball into his hands as much as possible to just let the guy go to work. I don't think that it's um, unreasonable to speculate that Smith, Johnny Smith may be the most targeted pass catcher on the Patriots in 2021. And Pete, to your point earlier about Greg Olson, we've seen that Cam will load up the tight end position with as many targets as possible. What that might mean, I, I think Greg Olson, I'm, I'm, this is off the top of my head, but I, I can recall many like an 800 yard six or seven touchdown season. And I think something like that with, I don't know, 60 catches is totally reasonable. His ADOT may be low again with the run after catch factor. But um, I think that, that drafting him, if he's, if he's available at like prime Greg Olson ADP, I think that that's reasonable. The one thing that we have to consider is whether or not Cam, uh, you know, he, he's, he has said that the, the COVID fog, so to speak, really impacted his decision-making if that's true and he's not just you know a shot quarterback then Johnny Smith if he's healthy he's gonna be a top five tight end I don't don't think that there's there's much to argue with that um if Cam is actually washed at this point and his his shoulder's done his mobility's gone which I think is really tough for us to know for sure um then you know that's Johnny Smith's floor which could be a big old zero but 
if he's good, awesome pick. Yeah, I think at the very least, the Patriots have done it this along with, and they and we'll talk and I'll talk about them now. We'll introduce the two receivers they got. They went out and signed Nelson Aguilar as well as Kendrick Bourne. Now Aguilar, I think, has the most uh as crazy as it sounds, name buzz to him. Uh, coming off a good season with the Raiders, 800 plus yards, eight touchdowns. He's a, a brings a legit deep threat to the Patriots offense, but uh, the, the Patriots are going out. Belichick is going out and he is putting an offense around Cam Newton to see what, what Cam Newton is right now. And I think what you said, Nick, like, I think we'll, we'll find out pretty shortly into the 2021 season as to whether or not Cam Newton is something that can still be, uh, you know, a 20, 18 cam or if he's if his shoulder is gone and he's and he's just done yeah what's exciting to me about all of these moves is that we watched cam play last year and he didn't look great but also when he did play well he was totally left out to dry by his wide receivers and everybody else on the team so while it's not exactly the list of wide receivers that i would have signed for the patriots i do like the johnny move and cam needs something and so it's it's interesting that they're going out to put these pieces around him and I still think Cam Newton's pretty good like probably top half of the league quarterback and with at least some competent veteran pass catchers in the offense we'll see what that looks like this year yep. hey Pete we have a position or yeah we have slight breaking news do you have a positional aspect to the show no, that you want to I think follow? your breaking news is about to be my breaking news that I was just about to break what news break is it, it? It's that Carlos Hyde signed in Jacksonville, which means yeah. nothing. Actually, it really sucks for James Robinson a lot. That's really disappointing. But it either signals this is full-on Pete Carroll, Rashad Penny season with 20 touches to a guy who has a, a tendency to swell up to 240 pounds in the offseason. Uh, or maybe the Carlos Hyde's, or Car- uh, Chris Carson's going to come back. Don't know. But um, mm, you're talking, Carol, you're talking for Seattle. Trust Nick to, to breaking news, Carlos Hyde to the Jaguar, James Robinson, who is a breakout fantasy player. Nick doesn't talk about that. How does this impact his Seattle Seahawks? Good, good. Thank you for clarifying. His beloved. His beloved, beloved. Seattle Seahawks and his beloved coach, Pete Carroll. I mean, people have been talking, uh, you know, people, I'm just saying people have been talking <laughs> shit about uh, Carroll, Carroll's selection of, of Rashad Penny, a running back in the first round when they didn't need one. Uh, he has been wanting to prove people wrong for the three years that Rashad Penny hasn't done anything. So if he's healthy, expect like 300 touches for him. In terms of James Robinson, how do you, how do you feel with this signing, Jordan? Um, I think with James Robinson, he, he got dinged up a couple of times last year. And, and I, I think it just really speaks to the fact that they're not really comfortable with who is behind him. And uh, maybe just adding a, a guy who's, I guess, at his peak was a little bit similar to James Robinson, just kind of a, a bigger guy who can absorb some hits. And um, I, I don't know, Jacksonville has the most cap space of any team. And if this is their big splash, I, I think that <laughs> it's a little, uh, I mean, this, this whole day, is, other than the Patriots, has been a little underwhelming, but, you know. Yeah, if Carlos Hyde going to Jacksonville is the only thing we hear about the Jacksonville running back room through the first five rounds of the NFL draft, James Robinson is a lock top eight running back. I mean, pending health, just like every other running back. But like to me, this is a vote of confidence 
in James Robinson. They had no one else behind him. They have to, I mean, you need bodies in the NFL and Carlos Hyde's fine. He's not going to challenge for that position. Uh, Jamal Williams would have been scarier names like that. People who've shown a little juice and you're wondering if the team's trying to create some weird competition. So, I mean, you know, there's a lot of time left. We'll see what happens with the draft, but so far so good for James Robinson. Yeah, I actually, I totally agree with that, Clark. When I, it was like a couple of weeks ago, the Jaguars were floating out there that they wanted to bring in running back competition or just look to add running backs to their backfield. That had me all nervous. I was like, oh gosh, darn it. Here we go. James Robinson. I After I invested in him in a, in a dynasty league and was like, yes, this is it. I'm now going to buy in. Of course, the Jaguars are going to come in and bring unnecessary competition. But the Carlos Hyde signing to me is like, oh, okay, James Robinson still has their utmost confidence. They just need a reliable back there who if James Robinson gets injured or if they just want to like mitigate you know, what James Robinson's uh, touch count is per game basis. They have a back there who they can trust. Carlos Hyde doesn't feel like a threat as opposed to someone, Jamal Williams, I think is a perfect example. Or if they had gone out and drafted someone in the first three rounds in the draft, then I certainly would have been like, oh, I would have tempered my James Robinson expectations. But with with Hyde in there, uh, and that's if that's what the Jaguars are like, that's their move to solidify their backfield. I feel much, much more confident in Robinson heading into 2021 than I did earlier. All right, move uh, last for the news that was dropping today. Just a quick little aside. After the Chiefs cut both of their starting tackles, they went out and gave a shit ton of money to Joe Tooney. So just a little uh, for those who are worried about the Chiefs offense, maybe looking like they did in the Super Bowl with Patrick Mahomes running around for, you know, his dear life and hucking up prayer balls that somehow were exactly where they needed to be and the wide receiver just couldn't catch them. Uh, the addition of Joe Tooney helps really solidify, helps continue to Im- improve that offensive line, especially in the middle. So uh, I like I like that. If you're uh, got any parts of the Chiefs' offense, particularly Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, Joe Tooney has been a rock for the Patriots, uh, and uh, and now is going to do that in Kansas City. Isn't he when um, was it Marcus Cannon when he got injured? It wasn't Tooney also able to swing around and? play multiple positions on the line. I think he played tackle at one point and he's played all over popped yeah. into center. Like, so that's just, that's a good pickup for Kansas city. Who's cutting bait with both of their starting tackles. And yeah, we, we saw exactly how that worked out. You got to protect the franchise. Mahomes, not CEH. <laughs> Breaking news. Jordan, Jordan says chiefs franchise is Clyde Edwards Hilaire. The, the whatever devaluing running back has been destroyed. Put that one out for Twitter. That's going to cause a shit storm. <laughs> Just tweet out with no context. Jordan Smith says CEH better than Patrick Mahomes. More important to the Chiefs fa- franchise than Patrick Mahomes. Um, all right, let's move on to some older news that broke last week. Uh, Again, we're going to start with you, Jordan. Your boy, Aaron Jones, resigns with the Packers, much to the chagrin of podcast favorite Matthew Barry, who I guess wants Jones to be more free uh, than he already is in Green Bay. Jordan, explain this one to me, how uh, finishing a top five running back in back-to-back years is somehow bad. Um, yeah, I think like the general consensus is that you shouldn't pay running backs a buttload of money, but I'm... I've been okay with it because I think the closer value per year is going to, I think I saw it reported that it's going to be closer to 9.5 and like the incentives can get it boosted. Um, 
But in terms of his fantasy value, we saw Jamal Williams uh, Instagram today that he wasn't going to be resigning with the Packers. I don't think the Packers were planning on doing that anyway. I think the uh, addition of AJ Dillon was, wasn't always has been a sign of like Jamal Williams's time is pretty much up. I don't think he was ever drafted to be a replacement for Aaron Jones because Aaron Jones is a, just a different kind of guy. Um, and it kind of, keeps continuity going I think I would be a little bit scared for my like if I had dynasty stock in Aaron Jones I'd be freaking out if he signed for a buttload of money with a different franchise because we've seen that like historically go pretty pretty badly um, but he signed for a reasonable contract with Green Bay and thank God didn't reset the running back market with like a Zeke Elliott style albatross so good stuff there yeah crushing for aj Dillon hopefuls uh but aaron jones is you know solidly like top five right in redraft i mean how do you push him out of that range no yeah i i I, yeah i think he's 100 percent, and i think jordan's totally right too where i think there was like the Dolphins was a team that was batted around a lot. Uh, we talked about the Jets as a team that, like, you know, they they love paying a shit ton of money for running backs. But uh, I just, <laughs> and then saying just, they don't like them, and then saying they don't like them, and saying that it was a mistake to sign them. Uh, it, it didn't make like from a fantasy standpoint, you knew exactly what you're getting in Aaron Jones in Green Bay, and I don't know why anyone would be rooting for a different landing spot for him. He finished a top he's was a top three running back last year in fantasy this year he was a top five I think uh he's just he you know what he's going to be in that offense and that what that is is a guy who you're going to draft as a RB1 and he's going to reliably be an RB1 for you and uh I wanted to quickly pour some out for a guy in my three fantasy uh dynasty uh, fantasy draft that we're currently doing who drafted AJ Dillon way too high right after the news dropped of the Packers uh, didn't putting the, not putting the tag on Aaron Jones. He was so hyped. He was like, Oh, I got this. And uh, well, not coming to fruition, buddy. So have fun with that. Yeah. I'm, I'm just guessing here. I, I figure Barry was probably just disappointed that Dylan's probably going to be taking rushing work. Oh, and, and you know, yeah. Sucks to be that guy in, in your draft, Pete. Um, but yeah, he's, he's probably upset that Dylan's going to rumble for a number of touchdowns that otherwise would have gone to Jones. And I don't know when he was um, having his fit about this, but maybe he was also concerned that uh, Williams was still going to be there. You know, Jamal Williams is going to be a lot cheaper. I don't know. Um, Dylan will eat into his his rushing and specifically the the red zone work, but I think he uh jones's week to week stability will probably be a lot higher because he's going to be getting a lot more of the passing down work that williams was siphoning off from him because they just love his ability specifically in pass protection and while that's not going to help jones it'll be nice to have that guy out there just on more passing downs period so i think you know his ppr value is going to elevate his floor and obviously his ceiling as well but i yeah i think i think it's a, a great landing spot for him so to speak and i think the deal kind of ends after like two years i haven't looked at the specifics but i think it was uh clark your boy sigmund bloom who was tweeting about how it it effectively like they can just get rid of him after two years if necessary i feel like almost every deal is a two-year deal unless it's a quarterback deal and i just feel incredibly flattered and sorry 
at the same time for Sigma and Bloom that we have been mentioned in the same sentence <laughs> as boys. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. <laughs> Uh, all right, let's move on in the news. Uh, Mark Ingram is heading to Houston to keep Deshaun Watson happy because what Watson needs to stay happy is a veteran running back. Am I right, Clark? So I have officially forsaken the Houston Texans. <laughs> I am no longer a Texans fan. Not because yes! of this move. It happened. No, not because of this move. I've just done, I've just had a lot of reflection time and I'm out. Uh, my team, the Houston Oilers, were moved to Tennessee to advertise for Nissan's full-size truck line. And then since then, uh, we were crowdsourced named, which proves why people are stupid and should not be given the opportunity to make decisions like this that affect so many people. And then after that, the people who own the team just like continuously looked at all of their decisions and thought like, wouldn't it be cute if we just did the bad decision just to like <laughs> see what would happen? They accidentally drafted Deshaun Watson. So all of those things combined, I no longer care about the Texans personally. Uh, this really throws a wrench into the we're betting on the Texans backfield because there was some news that like, oh, David Johnson's coming back and like, well, at least it's a starting running back role on an NFL football team. So David Johnson's going to be that like sixth, seventh round pick that you like hope to squeeze seven or eight starts out of. But Mark Ingram's still okay. And that's, I mean, compared to David Johnson, good enough to compete for snaps. So this is now a complete mess in the Houston backfield. And I wish them the worst. <laughs> this is so exciting. We're going to dedicate an off-season podcast to finding Clark a new team. Do you do you already have one lined up, Clark? So or I really want to be a Packers fan, but I just, I'm not good enough as a football fan to be a Packers fan. Like, I don't know where their long snapper went to college and like every Packers fan. I know like Wait, Jordan, where really did their long snapper go to college? Yeah. Oh, I, I don't even know that. <laughs> Not off the top of my head. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Clark is challenging. But you have it written down ask, somewhere, ask, right? Like your wife, Pete. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, she didn't know. Becca wouldn't know either. That's true. So there you go, Clark. You've already gotten the appro approval of the two closest Packers fans we know, and well, it's, you're in. It's pretty official. Yeah, you're welcome to the club. Good team to pick. Good team to pick. Uh, yeah. Uh, this this is this is the opposite of the Carlos Hyde to the Jaguars. Mark Ingram, I feel like, had a, obviously a down year in, in Baltimore last year, but I think there's still. I think he still has a little juice left in the tank. I don't think that that was exactly an expression of what Mark Ingram has left. I just think that with J.K. Dobbins and uh, and Gus Edwards, you know, ball, you know, showing a lot of potential there, that they just kind of well, didn't he get injured too? Well, I mean, the actionable information here remember. is Mark Ingram's is is now in play as the starting yes. running back for the Texans. Like he's okay, and he's yep. he's good enough to get fifteen to seventeen carries, and that's a sixth or seventh round pick if he ends up being the starter and I would, I mean, just watching the two guys play David Johnson and Mark Ingram, Mark Ingram's better right now. I think than David Johnson is. And I mean, that's splitting the finest of hairs, but I'd rather have Mark Ingram. So I'm of the opinion that if you can't run in the Baltimore Ravens rushing attack, uh -huh. you are not going to be able to run in the saloon door style <laughs> offensive line that the Texans what? like to run. <laughs> And now, and so I was a little, I was about to come in hot here. And then Clark said that 
Mark Ingram may actually still be better than David Johnson, though. And that is tough for me to argue against because <laughs> both of these guys are so fucking washed and it's such a bad system. And so maybe you're right. I would be really surprised, though, if if Mark Ingram um, actually is able to contribute. Running backs who pop for PEDs don't have a, a great history afterwards. Uh, you know, he had his one good season in Baltimore after that happened. But um I don't know. I, I think you can still take David Johnson as the most boring running back to in, in your draft. Um, but God, I, I, I'm sorry, Clark. I know it's not easy to just be like, fine. I hate you. I'm done. It, it sucks. It's been a long time coming. And secondarily, yeah. I live in Washington now. So go Seahawks. Don't you fucking <laughs> <laughs> do not. <laughs> This is not good for our relationship. This is, this is going to be the, the Clark and Nick, the long-awaited Clark Nick politics podcast is going to eventually dissolve into Clark standing in fan and alongside Pete Carroll and Nick having to rebuke why Pete Carroll is the bane of his existence. Not to keep piling on Houston, but I, I think if Mark Ingram signed anywhere but the Texans, we probably wouldn't be talking about him. Like God, I, no. I don't think he registers as a blip on the radar in terms of fantasy perspective because he was pretty tough to watch last year and I was just praying for some JK Dobbins time in Baltimore and it it looks like it's more kind of more looking like it's going to be that time now yeah all right I can be I can be totally wrong here but I do think Mark Ingram is still okay and that he's probably like the 30th to 35th best running back in the NFL which is like a that's good right there's only like 70 of these jobs and David Johnson has just been running into a wall for a year and a half in Houston so again like nothing to get excited about but Mark Ingram not looking good compared to Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins like I like both of those players very much so someone not looking good compared to them is not an insult to me Mark Ingram is a keep it on your zero RB watch list of like, this is one of the eight guys that I'm going to draft that I hope I get four or five starts out of at the beginning of the year when I'm looking for like this year's James Robinson or something like that. Is that way off base? I think that I, for me, I think the stance is I'm just not touching Houston's backfield. <laughs> that's where, I, that's where I come down. That's also very, that's probably <laughs> a very good idea. <laughs> The signing of Mark Ingram, I think I was totally on board and what Nick was saying, where it's like, oh, could I talk myself into David Johnson? Yes, I could. And then with Mark Ingram, I'm just like, oh, I just don't want to constantly be looking over my shoulder every single week with David Johnson about whether or not Mark Ingram is going to do something. But maybe he doesn't do anything in the first three weeks, and then you're like, okay, well, now, now I'm feeling like there's more distance between him and David Johnson that maybe we're initially anticipating. All right, going to cut in briefly for a quick ad break. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, 
Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, back to whatever it was that we were talking about. Uh, Let's move on. In franchise tag news, Chris Godwin and Allen Robinson both got hit with the tag. Chris Godwin seems pretty pleased by it. Allen Robinson, though, Nick, sounds less than pleased and has already said he's not signing his franchise tender. So, okay, so I hadn't seen that, that he's actually said he, he, he rebuked it or he said no. He says he has this. no intent on signing that shit. Good for him. Fuck yeah. I I think the only reason, I don't know. You guys tell me if I'm off here. I, I, I was assuming that the reason that they um, that they made that move is mostly because they thought they might be able to lure Russell Wilson into, you know, making some more noise to get out to Chicago. Uh, I, I think, you know, he's still going to be a top 12 wide receiver, even if Mitchell Trubisky is at quarterback, which is just insane. Um, which is not going to happen. I think, I think Mitch has also come out and has been like, me and the bears are done, bro. I'm going to go take my talents to Houston. Well, anyway, uh, I mean, Allen Robinson's wide receiver one. All you got to do is draft him, set it and forget it at, you know, beginning of round two. Um, I hope that, you know, that that, I hope he puts up a fight. And and actually, he he says he's not going to play. And uh, we get to watch a player, hopefully, you know, take a stand and and get get what he's owed. But uh, real sad that he's still there. Yeah, I hadn't seen that he refuses to sign his tender either. And like... Going through the franchise tag news the other day, I've, you see some guys' names pop up. You're like, cool, cool, cool. And then you get to Allen Robinson, who's getting tagged by the Bears, and you're just like, aw. Like, I, I genuinely felt bad for him in that situation because, yeah, he was getting a lot of money by signing that one-year franchise tag, but also you're like, just get this man to a different team so he can, like, actually blossom to his full potential. Hell, even go back to Jacksonville if they get Trevor Lawrence because you're already upgrading on every quarterback that you've ever played with. Totally true. Totally. And I, it's just like, it's just what's sad is the fact that like he sees so much work and that work doesn't translate to just like massive numbers. Like I think he had what, like a hundred and let me, let's do some quick stats and information, but I feel like he had like 130 plus targets and Robinson. Allen Robinson last year had 151 targets, 102 catches for 1,250 yards. Like that, with that much production, you should have be having much more, much a larger yardage output, and certainly more than six touchdowns. In my humblest of opinions. Yeah, and some of that was with superstar Nick Foles, who was Nick fucking the Foles! best quarterback. Uh, Super Bowl winning, with- Super Bowl MVP, Nick Foles. Never forget. This is sad. It's sad for fantasy. It's sad for a player who you like to see, you know, like you want to see good things happen to these guys. Like Alan Robinson's never really made a stink about anything. He seems like a decent guy. And for fantasy, it just sucks. Nick, you nailed it though. You're still drafting him. Oh yeah. Second round. And you're loving the discount. Like, Oh, everyone please pile on so I can still draft him and still get good production out of him. But it sucks. I was really hoping for something interesting. Like, Cam going to the Bears and them franchise tagging Robinson and 
probably a lot of Bears fans looking how, how to we, find how a new excited team are we when when the Bears sign Jameis Winston? Super excited. Jameis Winston's not good, guys. But he's the thing he's still is he'll just the ball a lot. Right. Yeah. He's still he he's turned what both Chris Godwin and Mike Evans into thousand plus yard receivers. So yeah, but they're good. Well, yeah, but so so is there uh, Allen Robinson, and he has no one else to throw to. Allen Robinson would have like two thousand yards receiving. I love it. We maybe like auxiliary pod need to talk about Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill. There's a little Taysom Hill news as well. Oh, there is some Taysom Hill. Well, we're going to talk about <laughs> Drew Brees retiring, and we'll and we'll talk about that. How fake teams had all kinds of Jason uh, Taysom Hill stands in their in, in our Twitter account because Taysom Hill stands are a rare breed. I'm uh, going to disappoint maybe the brand well okay we'll get to that later okay before we move on from this tag though quickly uh for chris godwin he back in bucket back in tampa obviously had a maybe slightly underperforming season last year but still finished wide receiver i think like 15 uh so even if you don't feel like the stats were as what you were expected still a, a solid wide receiver too who would you guys rather draft in 2021 fantasy mike evans or chris godwin mike evans yeah totally evans i mean not he close goal right. line back Right. And I love Chris Godwin. Sorry. I kind of want to say Chris Godwin just because I like his skill set. And I think that, I mean, the Buccaneers won a freaking Super Bowl, so it's really hard to improve. But I think a second year with Brady might benefit Godwin a little bit more. Yeah. For what it's worth, uh, in half-point PPR, Mike Evans, where are we? Mike Evans, wide receiver 10, Chris Godwin missed a bunch of time, but where did he finish? Chris Godwin, yeah, wide receiver 32. Chris Godwin, 13.2 points per game. Mike Evans, 13.4 points per game. I think another way to ask it, which might be a little spicier, is would anyone be surprised if Godwin outperforms Evans Mm. this year? I wouldn't, even though I would bet on Evans still being number one. Well done, Clark. Well done. That was a a good spicier question. I approve. All right, let's move on. Two interesting wide receivers just to watch. Uh, they were released due to cap casualties. John Brown, the uh, Bills cut him, and then Emmanuel Sanders for the Saints. Both two guys who I think have uh, still fantasy value to wherever they land. Um, so just some some guys to monitor, particularly John Brown. I think John Brown, if he can go to an offense where he's the number two option, uh, he'll put up numbers. He good. I do think that we've probably seen the best from John Brown. I don't think that his ceiling is anything more than just kind of like the the Deshaun Jackson role where he runs downfield and he'll catch some touchdowns. I think he's a great, uh, depending on if he or where he gets signed, he'll be a great uh, best ball uh, draft. Um, season long, you'll have to play the matchups game and sometimes he'll burn you, but hopefully he, he ends up in a good spot and we get to watch him play fun downfield football. Daniel Sanders is still really good. He's kind of yeah. rounding into that veteran wide receiver role which your zero interest in drafting just like uh john brown i mean depending on where they go obviously but like emmanuel sanders is definitely a waiver wire speed dial guy who you're probably going to get a few starts out of he's still good uh just i'm I'm not going to probably bother drafting him uh also finally in the news drew Brees did the right thing and finally announced his retirement we all knew he was going to retire but he officially officially uh said it and now, Clark, this leads us to our wonderful debate about whether or not the Saints should ride into 2021 with Jameis Winston or franchise quarterback Steve Young reincarnated $16 million man Taysom Hill. So 
should is interesting, but we know what's going to happen. Sean Payton is going to unleash his intelligence on the world once again. Taysom Hill is definitely going to be the full-time and 100% starter for the Saints next year. They signed Jameis Winston to get a third-round compensatory pick when someone like the Bears signed Jameis Winston and he flames out there too. Taysom Hill's the quarterback, guys. Like We all thought, oh, obviously Jameis is going to start when Drew Brees went down. Nope. Sean Payton knows, and he's going to make what he thinks true. Taysom Hill's going to be the quarterback for the Saints, boys. That's it. From everything I'm seeing from uh, Nick Underhill, he seems to the to him the the situation seems to be pretty fluid. I, I my, it's my understanding that that Taysom Hill's contract is more like just getting super goofy with the with the cap because it, it's some preposterous number, is it not? It's so yeah. Idiotic. He signed an extension, right? Which was like all funny money extension. It uh, you guys tell me wrong. What I saw the, was 140 million dollars. <laughs> the yeah, the extension is. $140 million over four years, but it's voidable after this season. And basically it just stretches out his current cap hit. Like now it's like around 8 million instead of the 16 million. So Mickey you know, Loomis is one of the better Mickey. Sorry. Sorry, Jordan. Um, Mickey Loomis is one of the better GMs in, in the NFL. They have been so friggin' creative. And we all thought like, when Drew Brees they retires, they're going to have nobody. Masters at like milking the most out of the cap. I, yeah. I don't know. They just build these contracts where it's like, we're not going to pay you until three, the year 3000, but promise your grandchildren will, they, will be getting millions of dollars. They pay their guy. I mean, they just do signing, but anyway, um, to this point though, I do think that this, this still leaves a, a, a big question mark at quarterback right the the whole point of this deal is that they can cut Taysom after this season i think that he very well could be the lead guy uh this year i think it's just as likely still though that um that they do a, a two quarterback thing and they have Jameis in there sometimes um from what i understood the reason why hill got the 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 starts during this last season was basically just that he knew the scheme and they were going to have to change things up for winston um, now that they have a full off season, I think that they're going to let him duke it out. Uh, I also wouldn't be surprised to see if they bring in uh, a veteran to like, just give him the job. I don't know. I think it's still fluid. I think the Hill thing was hysterically more of just salary cap manipulation. I'm really excited to see what they do though. Cause I think this is showing um, some teams are a lot friggin' smarter than others, but some fans are not Taysom Hill, not better than Cam Newton. I don't want to be first and last, but Taysom Hill is going to be the Saints starter this year because, okay, if you can flash back to last year when Drew Brees got injured and every smart football person ever is like, there's no freaking way that it's not going to be Jameis Winston. Well, it wasn't. And for some reason, people still really seem to be holding on to, you know, Jameis Winston is good and Taysom Hill is just this nobody. But Sean Payton, who we know is a megalomaniacal maniac, thinks that Taysom Hill is good. And so that's what's happening. Taysom Hill is going to be the Saints quarterback. That's it. I think Taysom Hill is definitely the front runner right now just because of, of all those reasons that he was playing last year. And now they have like these incremental deals that like if Taysom Hill plays good and they have him. Like if they pick up his contract year over year and he's like 
eight million or so, or they keep on extending him in a weird way. They can like save themselves a lot of money by having a quarterback who can keep them competitive and is also cheap. Um, but I think at the same time, this they kind of want to bring Jameis Winston back is what I've heard. Uh, I think because he's like in house, I think they could talk him into maybe also taking a cheaper one year to two year deal because like the cap is pretty low this year and he could make himself much more money uh, next off season or the following off season. And to Nick's point, they can still bring in a lot, a different quarterback as well. There's no shortage of options. Like a lot of early mock drafts had like Alabama's Mac Jones going to fill in that with that Drew Brees void. So I still don't know <laughs> which way I'm leaning, but Taysom Mill is definitely the front runner. Yeah. And just how fun would it be for Ryan Fitzpatrick to go to the Saints? Oh! To go to the Saints. So uh, I just thought of him. Isn't that basically isn't that a redundant? Like, yeah. it's just like a better Winston. <laughs> yes. Let's just take every all the quarterbacks yeah. and throw them in New Orleans and just see what the fuck happens. I'm here for it. I am excited. Uh, all right. Well, before we go, I wanted to quickly play a new game with you guys that I like to call How Much Did They Get Paid to Tweet That? And the rules are simple. I'm going to read each of you a real tweet that was tweeted out Monday from an NFL media person. And you just tell me how much cash was snuck into their pocket by an agent, by a team, by a player uh, in order to tweet that. And let me point out, there are no wrong answers, so feel free to guess wildly and creatively. Clark, we're going to start with you. Your tweet comes from Tom Pelissero, and it reads, quote, it's a one-year deal worth up to $3.25 million for Camus Gruger Hill with the Texans, one of the NFL's best coverage linebackers. How much was Tom Pelissero paid to tweet that? At least $37.26. Correct. Well done, Clark. That is a point for you. Uh, Jordan, your tweet comes from Ian Rappaport, and it says, quote, last year, Jared Davis had limited snaps in Detroit, but teams felt he wasn't used properly, and his market was real. Now the Jets land a premium defender. How many bills did Rapsheet earn hitting send on that tweet? I think he earned access to other clients that that agency represents nice good good a creative answer yeah yes yes to be needed later uh nick let's wrap up with you yours isn't a tweet it's just a question nick did bill belichick sign jalen mills devon godshaw and trade for trent brown all of whom are uh uh players under drew rosenhaus as their agent just so that Rosenhaus would make sure Johnny Smith would sign immediately with the Patriots. Yes. There you go, guys. Well done. Way to play the first round of how much did they get paid to tweet that? Stay tuned next week for maybe another episode. <laughs> we'll exactly. see. It's, it's just, game. it's, yeah, thank you. It's just whether or not Shefty and and the uh, and the minds of oh. the NFL medias keep tweeting out dumbass shit like Uh-oh. this linebacker no one knows is the best coverage linebacker in the NFL. Corey Davis. To oh, the Jets. Corey. Yep, Corey Davis to the Jets. <laughs> oh. Corey Davis, thirty-seven mil 
next three years, 27 mil guaranteed. All right. Mims, you're done, Mims. Yeah, that sucks for Mims. <clears throat> I like it for Corey Davis. Yeah. That's that's putting him as a number one wide receiver in an offense that I think is going to be pretty good regardless who they have under center. Get it out, Clark. Say it. The Jets have been terrible for a long time. Believe Why are we excited? Kyle Shanahan coaching tree. I when one when one front office has nothing to do with another, it's you know, I think you can think about that a little bit. Or they keep the GM. Maybe that's fair. Maybe. I mean, they're getting they're getting second fiddle at rookie quarterback and the dejected Adam Gase carcass as a team. We'll see. I mean, I like Ty Johnson, but I don't know. We'll see. You like Ty Johnson, but you're not excited about Corey Davis? I'm not really excited about Ty Johnson either. I'm just trying <laughs> to – Why bring it up then? Clark value. just wants to bump him up so he can trade him in his dynasty league. Yeah, that's not <laughs> – why I have my take is nobody's business. Yeah, put this in with the outro music. <laughs> uh, this is exactly – only reason why Clark is on this show to just hype up players who he's trying to trade in his dynasty league. Love it. That is commitment. Uh, all right. Make sure you subscribe to the Fake Teams podcast wherever you get your podcasts. iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher. That's how you not only get us, but also our fantasy baseball and fantasy basketball shows. Follow us on Twitter at the RB1 at RB1 podcast. Excuse me. No, the what am I saying? Uh, follow myself at Pete M. Rogers. Follow Clark at NFL Clark. Jordan at Jordan underscore Smith 27. And Nicholas at Ginger underscore underscore Nick without a K. We will be back at you next week. Until then. Peace.